0: For it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most.
1: And now, live from the studios of Freedoms Phoenix, Ernest Hancock. Good morning, good morning, good
0: morning. Welcome
2: to Declare You're Independent me, Ernest Hancock, here, each and every day on the RBN network in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's starting to get hot. You know, I'm still waiting for, you know, where's my 110, man? You know, by now we're usually, you know, egg frying, you know, on the sidewalk. But it must be global warming. You know, the one thing that I want to make sure that you guys know is that, that today's the day to go ahead and send the emails out and call your friends and tell them to come on. We're going to have a really big shoe for you today. We got
3: Stefan
2: Malineau. Hey, Stefan, do I say that right? Malineau, is that how you say it?
3: You know, I must say, for a Yank, that's pretty good. So I'm, I'm going to take it. It's, it's, it's really good.
2: Well, help me out here, man. I want to be French or whatever. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> okay. You can go with Stéphane Molyneux. It's Molyneux, Imagine Molyneux. It's, yeah, yeah. you got to fruit it up a little bit to make it work. And I'd also like to thank you for putting me on right after one of the greatest and most passionate speeches in cinematic history, which is, I guess, Morpheus's speech from The Matrix. And uh, I feel like that's a great act to follow. No pressure, no pressure.
2: Oh, I love that one. You know, a lot of people yeah, it's don't great. know great. Is they're going? I get emails all the time. They say, "Who is that?" <laughs> it's Matrix Reloaded, second one in the cave. Here, right, it's
3: it's, uh, it's Bald Guy Speech Day, so I'm I'm happy to be here.
2: Stefan Molinier New, new. Okay, now this is what. Let me let me tell people uh, who Stefan is. You go free domain radio, and 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 Stefan has his own uh YouTube channel and it's Stephbot S T E F B O T you do a search on YouTube for that boom it'll come up and I tell you You've been doing this for a while. How, let me go ahead and give an introduction. We have a short time here. It's only a couple minutes in this first segment, and then we'll get right back to it. But I want people to know, yeah, really got Stefan on there because you got a – man, you got roadies. And you got a fan club. You know, this, <laughs> we, were, we were up at Porkfest, Porcupine Festival. I gotta keep saying that. People think it's a hedonism thing. You know, I go uh, – we were up at the Porcupine Festival in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago, and I – I'm thinking that you did you know that you had so many supporters and followers of your stuff that, you know, manifested themselves in reality?
3: Well, I I did. Uh, I mean, I I try to keep fairly close track on on that sort of stuff. But uh, as you may know, I mean, everything that I do is listener supported. I don't have any commercials on my website or in my show. So it's all donation based, which keeps me very close to to uh, to the fans of philosophy uh, the, at least the philosophy that I talk about so I I did have a good idea and of course I've done some speeches in the states before so but the, the reception at the porcupine festival was just fantastic and I, I just had a fantastic weekend there it was just great to meet everyone
2: oh it was great to see I I you know I for you know I just so busy I didn't take a look at who was going to, and I saw that you were there well you, you, Angela Keaton from com was going to be one of the panelists on the the three judge panel along with chris lawless and um guard goldsmith and uh, um and you and angela keaton wasn't there had you replaced go up there and heck people went nuts they were like yeah and you were very you were the simon i mean you were the nice simon <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> with the accent and everything now you're you're from where before we go to this break i mean where are you right now
3: uh, I live uh, just outside of Toronto in Canada. I was born in Ireland. I grew up in England. I spent a bit of time in, in Africa and then I was an entrepreneur in the software field for many years and about 5 years ago I started this show about 3 years ago I started it. I quit my career and I've been doing this full-time ever since.
0: Oh,
2: see, got it in 20 seconds or less. We'll be right back with Stefan. Call your friends. This is going to be a good one.
4: Awesome. Do you know the truth about cancer treatments? Do you realize that with all presently accepted methods, you
5: are not correctly attacking the cancer, and you are mostly fighting to survive the treatment? Do you realize that mutilating surgery, burning, and poisoning of your entire system are totally unnecessary? But now it's cancer's turn to die. With Lays Med Incorporated's patented methodology, without cutting, bleeding, drugs, or damaging radiation, we can destroy skin cancer and breast tumors of any size. Without out adverse side effects at our physician's office. Laser technology at its best. For more information,
4: visit www.lasemedinc.com on the web. At www.lasemedinc.com.
5: Call now 501-255-0528. 501-255-0528. 501-255-0528. 501-255-0528. The Berkey Light's unique design combines the age old process of microporous filtration coupled with modern state of the art technology and the highest quality materials, bringing you the finest water filter available anywhere. The revolutionary Berkey Light, with its exclusive black Berkey filter elements, remove pathogenic bacteria, cysts, and parasites to non detectable levels. Harmful or unwanted chemicals are reduced to below detectable levels. And it reduces nitrates and unhealthy minerals like lead and mercury while leaving the nutritional minerals your body needs. Made of durable Lexan, the material used in make Bulletproof glass, the system is durable, rugged, and yet attractive. The Berkey light is transparent, so there is no guesswork when refilling the system. The water level is always visible. The rechargeable LED lighting system is beautiful as a nightlight and as necessary in emergency situations. Get the Berkey light, the transparent water filter for only $259. Call today, 877 605 9200. That's 877 605 9200. To find out more about individual liberty, contact the Freedom Library in Yuma, Arizona at one 726 8050 or email them at info at freedomlibrary.org. Scholarships are available for those interested in studying ideas on liberty. The Freedom Library is located at 2435 South 8th Avenue in Yuma, Arizona. Contact us now for a great breath of freedom or visit us on the World Wide Web at freedomlibrary.org. Welcome to AZ Door Doctor. We are the premier Phoenix-area garage door repair and installation company. Licensed, bonded, and fully insured for your protection. We've been installing and repairing garage doors for over 20 years in the Phoenix Valley. With three generations of ownership and over 100,000 satisfied customers, our longevity is a testament to the quality of our work. Need help with your garage door? Give us a call at 602-495-1555. That's
4: 602-495-1555. And talk to one of our technicians. Men, are you thinking about the health of your prostate? Recently, new Vitality Health products gave away thousands of free bottles of the supplement Beta Prostate. Due to incredible demand, they're giving away more free bottles of Beta Prostate to any new customers who call now. Beta Prostate is packed with plant sterols that support your prostate health. Remember, your prostate affects urine flow, sleeping habits, intimacy, and overall quality of life. Beta Prostate is so powerful, you'd have to take 100 saw metal capsules in order to get the same natural plant sterols as one Beta Prostate. And if you haven't tried Beta Prostate yet, you can call right now for a free bottle. You only pay shipping and handling. Call 1-800-790-6293. This offer is limited to one free bottle per household. Give your body nutrition that targets the prostate. Call now and try Beta Prostate for free. Call 1-800-790-6293 and be Sure, to click on our banner at www.republicbroadcasting.org.
1: There are those that just want to be left alone, and those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show.
0: The vote on my shoulder As I'm getting older Your people get colder Most of us only care about money making Something's just got to follow In the wrong direction Wrong information Always shown by the media Negative images Is the main criteria Infecting the young minds Back than the bacteria Kids wanna act like What they see in this living Fennis, me, Curtis Hancock, and Stephen Mother News. Now we have, uh, we're, going to, we're going to share
2: some love for the whole two hours. We're going to have a good old time. And I'm telling you, I've already been getting emails and phone calls about you being on today. Make sure you ask them this. Make sure you bring up that. Make sure I go, hey, just call in. I'm like, dang it, man. You know, send an email. I probably go check it, and I have a whole bunch of stuff for you, Stephen. You know, I'm, I'll tell you the first time that I saw. Uh, something that you had done, and I'm looking at, I uh, see which was it, uh, the date that you put it up. It was, you already got 217,000, and I think it was True News, Statism, True News 13, is, is de- Statism is Dead, Part 3, The Matrix. Are you familiar with that one?
3: I certainly am. I think it's one of my most popular videos.
2: Stefan, I got you there. Uh Hello. Go ahead and try and connect back to Stefan or push buttons or whatever. You got the number up there. Go ahead and give him a call again, would you guys? Go ahead and we'll get right back to that. The first time that I heard testing. of uh, Stefan was from the Matrix. It's called Statism Is Dead Part Three. And it was just a a a, a fantastic look on testing. what testing is. You know, it is amazing of how you can look at the perspective of uh, humanity and what we're looking at as a future, where we're evolving to, where we're going, why. What is the foundation of uh, human...
3: Is it because we really believe that our toaster and our notebook will end up as our mechanical overlords? Of course not. This is not a future that we fear, but a past
4: that we are already living.
3: Supposedly, governments were invented to make human life easier and safer. But governments always end up enslaving humanity.
2: Yes, they do. This is the whole theme of Stefan's Free Domain Radio. Now, you go on YouTube and you just type in, uh, well, I guess free domain radio, and it'll come up. You get his channel. And that was, the, I got you there, Stefan. I'm back. Stefan, you back?
3: Oh, testing one, two, three.
2: Are we keep losing him again? Communicate with me. What's going on?
3: Testing one, two, three.
2: There you go. Okay.
3: Yo, we're back, baby.
2: Okay. Um, is it us or is it you? What are we, what are we looking at here?
3: Uh, I don't think it's me, but let's keep going. Uh, I'll email an alternate number if this has any problems, but I'm sure we'll be fine.
2: All right, cool. This is the one thing. It was True News 13. Statism is dead, part three. The Matrix. Do you remember that particular episode that you did? I certainly do. Is it, did that one get? Was it special in some way? Did you get a lot more attention on that? Was there something that you know that kind of viraled a little bit more? That was the one that got my attention. I'm wondering, are they all that good? <laughs>
3: No, uh, they're frankly not. That's my Bohemian Rhapsody and the rest of it is like Delilah and other nonsense songs. So uh, no, every now and then you write a hit and uh, I'm no Beatles. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm an occasional hit writer and I've had a few hits. I have another one about how the money that is um, borrowed from other people is not money, but it's actually you being sold to foreigners that's quite popular. But that one definitely everything came together in terms of the visuals and the message and the metaphor. And I think it really... Uh, hit people the right way. So you always hope you can keep doing that, but uh, it's really not up to you. You just create the best thing that you can and, and see if it hits people the right way.
2: You know, what was behind? I want to, I want to, we're going to, we got plenty of time, so we're going to get to it. I know the audience just once said get, but I want to get to know the man. All right. Yeah. You were doing uh, the software, I guess. You made some money. You're able to travel a little bit. You're in uh, Toronto. You're just chilling out. I'm I'm retired. I'm, I'm sitting over here doing your YouTube thing, and, oh, my goodness, people are supporting you. Okay. How far off am I?
3: Well, um, uh, yeah, you're right. I was a software entrepreneur. I sold the company. It made some money. Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a listener supported show. And that's great because it means, you know, I'm very much a free market guy as you are as well. So I really like the fact that I have to keep providing value to my listeners. I have to provide uh, I have to have philosophy hit. Hit them where they live. Give them things that they can do in the real world to to live a wiser and happier and more virtuous existence. So uh, I really, really like that, being very close to the customer. That, of course, is what came out of my entrepreneurial life, because you can't succeed in the entrepreneurial world unless you're satisfying your customers. So... So it really is a listener-driven show, just as yours is, and that really is great, because it means that I know that I'm producing stuff that people can actually use, not really esoterical philosophical arguments about what might exist in another dimension or what if everything is a dream and all that kind of stuff, but I really wanted to give stuff to people that they could really use in their life, and that perspective that was in that video really woke people up. So many people emailed me to say that when I show the map of the world and I say, "You're not looking at countries, you're, you're looking, looking
2: at farms you know, you're looking at I, farms. I, I,
3: people just hit, it hit people really in the, in the spine, in the gut, in the solar plexus of truth, and that's something you always aim at, but you don't always hit.
0: You know,
2: this is I, – I, I want to get behind this, though. I mean, you know, the philosophy there – I watch that, and I'm like, oh, hey, I've been doing this for 22 years, man. And I'm telling you, if I, I – there would be two things that I would – somebody comes up, and they're like, yeah, what's this, you know, freedom, libertarianism, anarcho-capitalism, agorism, kind of what, 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 what up? And there would be two things that I'd have them watch. One would be the philosophy of liberty, short flash animation, you know, just it's just quick and to the point, and your True News 13 statism is dead. Oh,
3: that's very kind. Thank you. And
2: and it's well because it it really just puts it down to what it is. I remember one point in there that really had an impact. I I brought my wife over. I said, "You got to watch this," and it was the part where you're talking about how when you free people, when you put them on a, uh, you know, in the Constitution. You know, my senior editor, Freedoms Phoenix, he can't write the word Constitution without capitalizing C-O-N. I mean, you know. (laughs) So, so it's like you know, we got we got this Constitution. They got a new plantation for us. They put us on, we got uh, eminent domain and uh, uh, regulation of commerce, and we got, uh, you know, the power to tax. And, I mean, you know, if I was king, what else would I want, you know? So I'm so I'm going, okay, I, I can see this. Well, then you put up there, but the more freedom that you give people and farm animals and whatever, the more productive that they are. The more, you know, the gooses, you know, can lay more eggs. So I'm going, okay, you know, and then what happens? You go, got yeah, free-range chickens out there, and they're all healthy and everything, but guess what? In the end, they're in the
3: Nugget box. Okay. <laughs> right, right. No, this is it's a very, very important point. And, and for those interested, I have a debate on YouTube with Michael Bednarik where I go into this in more detail. I'll give you the 30 second version now, which is that a civilization that is founded on respect for property and the non-aggression principle, which to a very large degree, women and blacks accepted, was the case with the United States, we'll say, for, for, for the larger part. A society that is based on freedom, uh, pacifism, and respect for property becomes enormously wealthy, but if you still have a government, what happens is you're creating food for cancer. You are creating the wealth that the government can then use to swell its own size and power, which is why if you look at the arc of the United States, you have gone from the very smallest government that could be conceived of at any time in human history, the very smallest government, and now if you look at the arc of the U.S., a few hundred years later, you have the largest, most destructive, most powerful government that's been responsible for over 30 million deaths that can blow up the world many times over. That's the great danger of freedom if you still have a government. Now, if you have freedom without a government… Then you get that growth without that same destructiveness. And that's really what I was trying to to get across.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I understand. You know, it's like Lyndon Johnson. He goes, Oh, you corporations, you can be liberal. You have to be liberal because you can afford to be right up until you can't afford it anymore. Well, now we can't afford it. So where are we going? There's an after of all this, and we're going to talk about it when we come back on Declare Your Independence.
0: yeah what we find for here in the clear Hancock, each and
2: every day, here from the beautiful studios of Freedoms with an S Phoenix.com here in Phoenix, Arizona. We got Stefan Molyneux from Toronto on and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm this has been a treat just knowing that I was going to have you on Stefan. A lot of people were very enthusiastic about having you on us being able to spend some time together, but I, I really want to get into, into what created the foundation of your understanding of just what we we really are. Yesterday afternoon on the afternoon show, I had uh, Mark Stevens on, and we were talking. And I remember we got off on a subject of an article that I had written back in 1994 as a young man coming to the understanding that, oh, I get it. It's just a con. <laughs> the right. government's just a gang with a flag. You know, I I, I I understand now. It is so clear to me they create these institutions to protect uh, the institution. They don't give a crap about us. They'll lie and cheat and whatever to try and convince us that they have some kind of legitimacy. So the attack on their legitimacy is the most effective weapon that we have You do a fantastic job of pointing that out, but I need to know, where did this philosophy come from? How did Stefan evolve as a human being to come to these conclusions?
3: Well, like so many libertarians, I came through through the objectivist camp. Uh, I read Rand when I was in my mid-teens and became fascinated by her philosophy, and it expanded my mind six million different ways from Sunday, but... Like so many objectivists, I got hung up on minarchism. Um, of course, Ayn Rand believes that a government was necessary for law courts and, and policing and, and the military. And that to me is, uh, is a seductive idea because you can go a long way to convincing people that we should have a smaller government. The step to no government is quite a doozy. It's like you're, you're walking up to the Grand Canyon called <laughs> anarchism, and then you get to that one thing, and it's like, well, that looks like quite a step, and it is like that scene in The Matrix where he jump tries to jump from one building to another, and you fall into that sort of rubber sidewalk. So I came through objectivism, and for many, many years, that was my approach, and uh, unfortunately, um, it just collapsed logically as I continued to examine the idea that I could not reconcile the non-initiation of force with taxation. And if you're going to have a government, you need taxation. And even if objective is sometimes say it's voluntary taxation, but that's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. And uh, the government also prov- has to prevent competition in the services that it provides. So it has to initiate force against other people who have better ideas about geographical defense or, or policing or so on. So I continued to work over the ideas. And then I was having an argument with one of my employees uh, uh, when I was uh, in, in the software field. Uh, he was uh, um, a student, of uh, philosophy, and we were having this debate. And it suddenly struck me uh, how... Certain problems could be solved without a government. And this is my concept of the dispute resolution organization or sort of private insurance agencies. I'm not saying it's unique to my thinking, but I've developed this, this framework for how things can be um, resolved without a state, you know, conflicts and, and uh, force, problems with force and rape and so on. And well, once ahead. that Don't, hit me, that, that, was, that was like. Sorry, that, was
2: one, that was one of the questions At someone called me this morning, a reader of Freedoms Phoenix, and said, make sure you talk to him about the conflict resolution idea. So I, let's go ahead and take a moment. We're coming up on a break here, but uh, go ahead and start that, and we'll give you the opportunity to finish your thought in the next segment. But I definitely want to uh, get the A to Z on that so that uh, I will have done my part.
3: Right. Well, the basic idea is let's say that you and I go into business together and we decide to split split our business 50-50 and then I run off to some other state farm. I run up to Argentina with all the profits. Well, uh, you will have, we will both have paid for insurance. So if I break my contract with you, you will be insured against that, and the insurance company will then pay you for whatever it is that I've absconded with. And that's one way that you can do it, and that's going to become cheaper the more honorable we are, right? So the longer that we don't break our contracts, the cheaper it's going to be to insure our contracts, to the point where after 20 or 30 years it will be effectively free, I would imagine. And that people who break the their should- contracts,
2: now let's go ahead and think about this. Let's walk it through. You have an insurance company goes, yeah, I'm not paying. Then what?
3: Well, uh, there's, there's two things that you can do. First of all, you and I would not want to deal with an insurance company that did not pay out. Right. So an insurance company is going to have to have a good reputation if we're going to use it. The second thing, of course, is that we can reinsure so we can say, look, I want this insurance, but I also want reinsurance uh, so that if you go bust or whatever, there's going to be there's going to be a backup. So in a sense, we take out a, a backup insurance. 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 So, and, and if we choose to go with an insurance company that shafts us, well that's going to happen, right? People should not look for perfection in utopia. What they should look for is a comparison to what is occurring right now. Right now, the justice system, which is a phrase I really hesitate to use, (laughs) the injustice system, people can't use it unless they're very rich. And the very rich generally only use it to harass people, right? So uh, I've certainly been involved in business in a number of conflicts. And the option of going to court, was always thrown out of the table. Uh, at one point uh, during consultations with a lawyer in my business career, he said, well, you could go to court, but it's going to cost you about a quarter million dollars and it's going to take you about 10 years. So you don't want to compare anarchism to perfection where every, there, there are no conflicts or every conflict is resolved perfectly. What you want to do is you want to compare it to what is happening right now. And what is happening no, right I... now, is the justice system is inaccessible to just about everyone. Uh, so that, and they don't have any backup because it's a monopoly and that's really terrible
2: government doesn't work i want my money back but we're going to talk about it more when we come back here on declare your independence me ernest hancock and Stefan manu from toronto oh it's going to be a good show we're just 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 getting started just want to get some history about the man we'll be right back here on declare your independence there's a man going around taking names and he decides
5: who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. When the man comes around.
0: Oh, and the man be a comin'. As yeah, for dang Skippy.
2: Stefan Molyneux from Toronto. Now, let's go ahead and just sum up on uh, who Stefan is. Stefan, you know, he's uh, had a career. He made uh, some money. He's kind of semi, you know, sitting around Toronto doing well, informing the people of uh, what's coming and the way we should evolve as human beings and being supported because they're going, man, I like what that guy has to say. And he says it so nicely. Don't you have some theatrical training also?
3: I do in fact uh, i uh, I went to the National Theatre School of Canada for two years and I studied playwriting and acting and uh, sword fighting and gymnastics and all kinds of cool things so and i did uh, did some work as an actor and uh, so I did that uh, I also have a master 's degree in history from the University of Toronto so I, I have a a good a fortunate group of skills I guess to be able to do uh, what i 'm doing
2: now this is what to be able to take this position I'll I give you an example there was a Candidate for the Libertarian Party, I think it was in 2000. He didn't get the nomination, but he ran for president against uh, the guys at the time for one reason he wanted to push the concept very much of what you're talking about he was saying if you're going to have but he still had this government thing in his head and he's going if you're going to have a government and you want to fund it it has to be voluntary in some way and the way he did it anytime you sign a contract anytime you rent a car anytime you buy a house anytime you do you're wanting this contract to be enforced by a government agency of some type. Well, fine. Then you pay a fee, the value of the contract. If it's a hundred dollar car rental, well, then it's I don't know three bucks that you're putting in in case you want access to the courts. Or if it's a three hundred thousand dollar home, well, then you know you got to pay the three percent, whatever. So the thing was is that it was self funding to have this monopoly of force out there enforcing whatever. And I go, you know, okay, well that's that's more libertarian. I mean that's that's one way of doing it. But you know, I, you know. That you and I both could take about three seconds and go with, you know, 15 gazillion things that's going to happen because. That might um, be productive. They might make a bunch of money like that. They, then what are they going to do with the money? So is there any type of government or a collective or a group that will come in and promise to take care of me? They're going to keep the Gulf clean. They're going to clean up the air. They're going to uh, put a chicken in every pot. They're going to have two car garages. Whatever the promise is, life, liberty, and property, I mean, you know, whatever it is, is there any government – that you can think of that doesn't devolve into slave owners?
3: No, because once you violate the principle of the initiation of force all bets are off. So no matter what it is that you design where you say if the government only did this or if the government was limited to that you're still saying that the government, which is of course just a concept and doesn't exist, right, that a group of individuals have the moral right and obligation to initiate the use of force against peaceful citizens. and for me, that's the Rubicon you have to cross as a thinker, and I think a lot of libertarians get stuck in what I think is the worst of both worlds, wherein you don't get the comfort and ease of the mainstream, and neither do you get that shining, gorgeous purity of principles. And so that I, – that, I didn't want to get stuck there. I didn't want to be the guy who was like, well, I'm for – the military but I'm against the welfare state because that's just kind of a mealy mouth position and I I was never too too comfortable with it so what I try to say to people is if you if you don't want to go all the way Don't go at all. Right. Stay in the mainstream. Stay in the Republican and Democrat revolving door of crazy nonsense. Just you won't get offense that you won't offend people. You won't startle people. You won't be upsetting people. You won't frighten people. Just, you know, stay with the livestock, moo around, chew your grass and do whatever it is that happens at the other end of the cow, which I'm sure is not too pretty. Do all of that and stay in the mainstream. But if you're going to step out of the mainstream, if you're going to say, I want to live a life informed by moral principles, by, ra- by reason, by evidence, by truth, then don't go halfway because then you get stuck with one foot on the pier and one foot on the dock. So I just try to really urge people either stay in the compound uh, or get out of the compound, but don't sit on the barbed wire because if anyone's ever done that, that's not a very comfortable position. You
2: know, this is, I, you know, there's um, I want to bring up a few statements. I've been just really in the past... Oh, less than a year. I, I really just had this kind of epiphany. I mean, I'm sure you've had an influence on me along a lot of other uh, resources, but I always remember when I was younger here in America, you would hear the term prevailing opinion is prevailing opinion, it, like it prevailed, like it won, like it beat up something. You know, I'm going okay, <laughs> prevailing opinion. And why is it prevailing? Well, because Fox News says it all the time or something. I mean, it had no basis in reality other than, and a friend of mine, he puts it a different way, he calls it cons, consensus reality. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> kind of like, you know, everybody, the, the earth is flat, therefore it is flat, you know? So I'm, I'm, I understand this power of groupthink. In fact, it's, it's so there was a series called Century of the Self done by the BBC, and it was all on this Freudian thing, how, you know, public relations was created to be able to control us through emotions and all that kind of stuff. And then then you start getting to where you, some of the things that you're talking about, especially the Randians and objectivists, they, they're so, you know, reality is reality. A is A, you know, but they got this cognitive dissidence thing going on to where they got these two ideas in their head that it has to be voluntary, except, you know, we need to go free people using the United States government to go bomb somebody to make them free,
6: you know? Right. And
2: I'm, And I I can see this happening. There has to be a break. There has to be a fundamental understanding. And I can't come up with anything better than the non-aggression principle. I mean, the first thing is thou shalt not aggress. You know, then I, I don't know what else. Where do you go from that?
3: Well, I mean, thou shalt not aggress, I think, encompasses basic property rights. And, I mean, I, I love objectivism. I obviously have a problem with some objectivists because I think it is pitifully easy to spend other people's blood with your words. You know, I don't see, I don't see the objectivists taking to the streets or taking on the armed IRS to protest their own taxes, but they're all very keen to have other people blown up for their freedom. And I think that is a despicable moral position, and it's particularly despicable because objectivists know better. Uh, I, I, to me, it's, it's more despicable for an objectivist to be for this imperialistic foreign policy than it is for your average Republican or Democrat, because for the average Republican and Democrat, they don't enshrine the non-aggression principle in the way that Ayn Rand did. So for objectivists to create this special exceptionalism for the war in Iraq or Israel or Afghanistan, the oppression of the Palestinians, that is completely vile because they are in a position to know better. Like, it's one thing if a medieval doctor doesn't prescribe a medicine that will cure someone because it hasn't been invented yet, we don't fault that person because he just didn't know yet. But a 21st century doctor who knows a medicine will cure and then refuses to prescribe, that is where moral responsibility comes in, so... Well, I strongly I, I, I urge say- objectivists to stay, is to, to fight the foreign imperialism as much as the domestic imperialism because it really is just two sides of the same bloody coin. Well, you
2: know, I know where, I mean, I, I assume, you know, where it came from was the fact that Ayn was uh, Russian. She came here, she immigrated to uh, the United States, and she's seeing that the evil empire of, and uh, we need to, guess what, I can rationalize and do some mental gymnastics to justify America, MK, America. America, go over America. You know, we're gonna, you know, export democracy or whatever. So I, I can, I guess that was a kind of a personal twisting she did of the whatever. But I, that's where it breaks down when you're talking to objectivists or Randians. It's like a, their own religion, and it, and and as they are overwhelmed with the internet responses of libertarians and other people that are just you know rational thinkers, it, it it's it makes them crazy. I mean, they get these two ideas, they're trying to justify an unjustifiable position that, like you say, they know better and it makes them weird, man.
3: Well, look, I mean, this is, this is the thing that's astounding is that Ayn Rand herself did not stay and fight uh, Stalin or stay and fight Khrushchev or stay and fight Brezhnev. She didn't take to the streets with rocks and <laughs> bombs and so on. She, she peacefully left using the correct political channels, she peacefully left and took up residence in another country and then she says violence is an acceptable way to free people but that's not the course that she took and I think I'm very glad it's not the course she took because she did a much better service to liberty by writing her books than by getting blown up or tortured to death by the NKVD so I, I don't care what people say, I mean fundamentally as an empiricist I look at what they do and Ayn Rand and objectivists do not spill their own blood to fight for freedom which I think is a very wise thing to to do. You shouldn't go out and get yourself killed because that's not going to help anybody become more free. So when objectivists say, well, I'm not going to initiate violence to secure any freedom in my own country, then how on earth can they support the initiation of force to secure the, quote, freedom, which never happens anyway of people in other countries just look at what people do. Throw their words away and just look at what they do. Actions speak louder than words. And if objectivists were consistent, they'd all be flying planes into IRS buildings, which of course I don't agree with and I think is completely immoral. But It's easy to spend other people's blood. It's a lot harder to spend your own.
2: I'm hip. And where do we make the change? You know, on the show a lot, I, I, I really focus on the thing, look, this is a culture war. This is about us just having an understanding. This is us evolving as humanity. This is us using our freaking brains. This is us in opposition to those that, they, them, those, they go, who are they? Let me tell you who they, them, those are. There are those that just want to be left alone. There are those that just won't leave them alone. And they try and make it more complicated than that, and it's not. You have people that will spend trillions of dollars over generations to take and use mandatory youth indoctrination camps, a.k.a. the government school system, propaganda, television, corporate media, on and on and on, to convince us and change us and turn us into supporters of the farm. You know, thinking that we get to be, uh, you know, the supervisors or something. Yeah, you know, you know, we're managers of the farm. You know, you're still freaking on the farm, okay? No matter what, you're, you're being farmed. And when it gets down to it, you know, guess who, uh, um, who matters the most? It's a farm owner. And guess who they think they are? Well, it's them. They, those. So won't leave us alone. And the thing is, is that the change in this culture, the biggest thing, people will go to me, well, do you really think you're going to this? And do you think in your lifetime that? And I go, look, man, let me tell you what, they don't got to worry about me. It's not me. It's my kids.
0: I
3: have four <laughs>
2: children, 20 to 24, two boys, two girls. Starting to have, you know, I have my second grandchild coming next month. And I'm telling you, it's not me. It's this whole entire generation that you and I both got to feel and witness over the past few years with the revolution, with uh, at Porcupine Festival, uh, Free State Projects, just like a little little hint of what happens. You know, agorism. You have the uh, the alternate expo guys. You have, you know, all these all of this direct peer-to-peer communication of people that un- understand the truth, and the truth is I own me. All the other stuff, you know, blah, 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 I own me, and if I, and if I don't own me, who does? I, I, just, I just want, FYI, you know, I, I just uh, want to let you know if you don't own you, uh, somebody else does, and so I'm... <laughs> So I understand this at a fundamental level, but I want to get from you, you know, from your experience in having communicating with the people that listen to your podcasts and your YouTube channel and all this. Um, is it growing? Is there an evolution? It's in humanity? hugely is, growing.
3: Is it it's hugely growing. The United and
2: states or is it global? What?
3: It's global. It's global. And part of it is something that we're generating as a movement. And part of it is simply, is simply the evolution of the species. It is absolutely growing. And I think you're absolutely right. If you look historically, all fundamental moral change, and that's what we're looking at is moral change and a moral awareness of the impracticality and immorality of using institutionalized violence to solve social problems. It never works. Violence is always wrong. The kindergarten lessons, don't push, don't hit, last until the, uh, the deathbed. But the, what's changing, Ernie, that I think is so powerful, and you could see this at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You know, uh, when I take my daughter out, she's 18 months, I take my daughter to the library. I'm a, I'm a full-time dad. And I take her to two parks. I take her to the mall and so on. I, I, can, I can't ever go out without seeing someone. Shaking their finger harshly or shaking their fist at their kid or yelling at their kid or leaning over them in a threatening and intimidating way The whole time that I was at the porcupine freedom festival Do you know how beautiful it was to see how peaceful the parents were with their children how they did not use any aggression with their children? I never heard a raised voice. I never saw a raised fist I never saw a spanking or a slapping or anything like that and children who grow up protected by the pacifism of their parents will fundamentally not speak the language of domination. They will not speak the language of hierarchy. They will not speak the language of aggression. And so when they then come out into the world and they see that there are all of these incredibly archaic institutions like the state, which use aggression to solve problems, they will fundamentally know that it's wrong because they just don't speak that language. And that's how things will change. So social change, moral change at the fundamental level of abandoning our addiction to violence is always a multigenerational process. I mean, if you look at the beginning of the anti-slavery movement of the 17th century, it took 200 years. If you look at the beginnings of... Uh, feminism in the 18th century it took 200 years and it's still a work in progress and certainly the internet will make it faster so I don't think it's going to be 200 years but it is out of the love for and protection of and peace with our children that we will simply outgrow the government. You can't outfight the government because it's too heavily armed. You can't outvote the government because that's buying into the system. You can't outspend the government because it gets to print all its own money. You can only and forever outgrow crippled and destructive social fantasies.
2: Oh, you're not going to be friends for a long time. You know, the one thing that I, I wanted to make sure that we focused in on is the power of love. You know, the the, the whole point, I knew that there was a revolution just sitting there waiting to happen. Because I'm a, a libertarian activist. I'm out on the street. I, I got this thing back in, you know, my early 30s. I, I came to, you know, freedom's the answer, what's the question? I mean, I got it, okay? But we had an enormous machine that is just cranking out more and more status with this authoritarian attitude. And they go, you know, they went from mom and dad to big brother. I mean, they, they're they they're looking for somebody to be their ruler, their boss. I mean, they even got the vocabulary drummed into their head to where, well, our leaders, our leader, our leader, who the heck even brought this up, man? I mean, leader, can't you be your own leader when, when, when you, you're 18 and then you're looking for somebody else to be your parent? I'm going, at what point do you get to be a sovereign individual? When does that happen? When do you grow up? When do you not need to ask permission all the time? When does that happen? Well, I'll tell you, you know, just like you were saying that Porcupine Festival, you saw these little kids. Kids, they're treated like adults. My kids are treated like adults. Heck, my restaurant was run by my nine-year-old daughter. You know, I mean, they—they, you think I'm kidding, man? I mean, no,
3: I believe it. You no, know, her I sixth
2: grade it. year, I, because the other three kids went to private school, in sixth grade she stayed in the restaurant because I didn't want her off with no kid to narc on her. But she was, stayed there and went and worked at the animal hospital two days a week and got us privately tutored in the morning, and she worked and learned how to run a restaurant in the, what was her sixth grade year. And I'm going, uh, who's better off? And what would the state say about it? What if I don't care? Well, we're going to talk about the state more when we come back.
1: Freedom's the answer. What's the question?
3: You're listening to Ernest Hancock. invented by citizens to enhance their own security is utterly untrue. Before governments in tribal times, human beings could only produce what they consumed there was no excess production of food or other resources. Thus, there was no point owning slaves because the slave could not produce any excess that could be stolen by the master. If a horse pulling a plow can only produce enough additional food to feed the horse, there's no point hunting, capturing, and breaking in a horse. However, when agricultural improvements allowed for the creation of excess crops suddenly, it became highly advantageous to own human beings.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling owned, man. That's Stefan <laughs> Molyneux from Toronto. Now, I, I, this is how fast. When did you first start doing this?
3: I first started doing this. Uh, I had some articles published on Zoo Rockwell, and I started reading them as podcasts. And I used to have this monster commute, uh, like 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, I decided to start recording some thoughts i that it had been bubbling around in my head for the past quarter century or so. So I started recording these podcasts in my car, of all places, uh, just as I was driving to work. And uh, I started publishing them, and it became more and more popular. And uh, so that's sort of how it, uh, how it started. And then I started going full-time, where I still produce some podcasts, though not quite as many, but I've really focused on putting out uh, books. Uh, I have all these free books at freedomainradio.com forward slash uh, free, uh, free books on philosophy, on ethics, on uh, how to use voluntarism in relationships because I, th- I think libertarians tend to focus on political constraints to liberty. And the question I try to ask people who are focused on that kind of stuff is, you know, would you rather have a happy marriage and 40% taxation or a miserable marriage and no taxation and me I'd rather pay pay off the the, the thugs and have a happy marriage uh, rather than not have to pay off the thugs and have an unhappy marriage so I really try to focus on personal liberties how to improve communication and honesty and integrity and virtue within your personal relationships because it's my belief that that's where the freedom is going to come from uh, you talked earlier about the love illusion I think that's really true and it's hard to so- talk about this stuff without sounding all kinds of kumbaya, but but it really is true. I really believe that if we loved our children enough, we would never put up with public schools. If we loved our children enough as a culture, we would never put up with a national debt that sold them off to others for, for time, through time immemorial. If we loved our children, we would never have cops in schools. We would never have metal detectors. We would never have a welfare state if we truly loved our children because what it does – to children, particularly in minority communities is absolutely devastating. It is a deficiency of love that the state feasts on. It turns us against each other. It says, you have your brother to fear, not your master. It's your fellow livestock that we're protecting you from. When my fellow livestock are very nice. Everyone on my street, just about everyone I meet is very nice. It's the people with the guns who have me concerned. So if we can give up our fear of our fellow citizens, if we can learn to love each other more, if we can particularly learn to love our children to the point where we're willing to take on brutal special interests, then we can build a world that is going to be free. But if we stay mired in the fear of each other rather than focusing on the true hierarchy of the world, we're never going to break free of this thing.
2: Well, that, this is my feeling. That is the desperation that they have gotten to, because usually, I mean, before, for generations, I was brought up. I was born in 61. They were trying to convince me, knowing that they had to, convince me that out of love they're doing this. Because if you love your neighbor, we're going to tax you to redistribute it. Because if you love you know, society in America, MK-America. If you love your uh, children, you will, you know, let them delegate the authority to them to do fill in the blank. If you love, then it gets to where that's obvious that that's not working. That's a BS reason. So then they have to go to the ultimate and the last ditch effort, fear. They
6: have to fear.
2: scare you into doing it. And if you if you have to scare me into doing it, then I already know there's something wrong because all you got to do is go as bad as we are, as bad and evil and fang-dripping blood, pointy horn, pointy tail as we are, United States freaking federal government, there's something out there that's worse. Oh, my goodness, watch out for them when it's always
4: right. Here's the problem. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
1: It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. To be a part of the show, call 1-800-313-9443.
0: Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember
2: declare your independence of me, Ernest Hancock, my bear, bear, very, special guest, Stefan Molyneux from Toronto. We are not afraid. What, what are we not afraid of, Stefan? I mean, you know, there's a lot of fear out there and, and we're just, uh, why are we not afraid? I mean, there's so much out there coming from what the, the man is telling us we should be afraid of. And then of course the man that we should fear, but we do what we do because, what we're we're not cowering behind, and we're just saying what we want because we're not afraid. Why?
3: Well, I mean, maybe you're a more courageous man than I am. I certainly do expe- experience my moments of anxiety about about the path that I've taken. But I, th- I think it's it's the basic thing of, of keep your eye keep your eye on the prize, and and it is it, it does come out of a love of humanity and a fierce love, a fierce love for the potential beauty of the future. That's what really drives me. I, I, I know that in my head, I can see, I can really see down to the last flagstone, the last empty flagpole of the future world. I can see it. I can see it. I can taste it. I, I sometimes even visit it in my dreams, which sounds all kinds of weird, but it's very true. I do see this world. I do see this world without, without war. I do see this world without the mass enslavement of national, national debts and taxation. I do see. I do see children being raised peacefully and enthusiastically and voluntarily without being herded into these lack of concentration camps they call public schools. I do see how beautiful and how peaceful and how wealthy and how beautiful and how loving the world can be. And when you have a, some place that you're going to, Nietzsche said, if you give a man a why, he can bear almost any how. And the why to me is the peace and beauty and pacifism of the future, the voluntarism, the love, the joy of the future that, that we experience, but which we want to spread. You know, if you, if you have discovered the cure for cancer, the first thing you want to do after you've cured yourself is to go around to people who have it and say, let me help you get better. And so when you've discovered the, the beauty of volunteers, and peace within your own life, when you have non-aggression in your own personal relationships and you live in that beautiful, lighted oyster of peace, you want to share it. You want to work to create it for the future. And that's what drives me over these sometimes seemingly insurmountable obstacles of cultural prejudices.
2: You know, this is, I give you an example. The reason I ask this is uh, when we do the things that we do, and certainly, you know, the activism that I've been out on the front lines doing all kinds of stuff, you know, the Ron Paul Revolution was just, you know, one of 15 gazillion things before then, and then there's been a whole bunch after. And they're like, Ernie, how in the heck are you able to stay on network radio? How are you able to, you know, have a workshop where you have, we have printing presses and T-shirt silk screening and video studio and radio studio and sign production and DVD duplicating and on and on and on and on. And they're going, how in the heck are you able to do that and the man not come shut you down? Why aren't you you afraid that? Aren't you afraid that? Aren't you afraid they're going to? And I'm going, you know, I I tell you where the the reason that I'm not fearful is because from their perception, what you and I do, at, at least as of now, I don't think they perceive us as a threat. Because we're not advocating replacing them as much as we're advocating just ignoring them. You know, it's <laughs> like I don't want to take over the ring of power. I want to chuck it in the fires of Mordor. I don't want to be behind the levers of power. It, I just want to understand that the problem is the lever. It's not the person behind it. It's the lever. We're going to talk about the lever and getting rid of it more with Stefan Molyneux when we come back here on Declare Your Independence in just a little bit.
5: Introducing the new Go Berkey kit, the first-of-its-kind portable water purification system for those on the go. The new Go Berkey system has an amazing output of about a gallon an hour. Each Go Berkey kit includes a one-quart high-quality stainless steel system, complete with a black Berkey purification element, a generic sports bottle, and a nylon carrying case. The whole kit weighs a mere two and a quarter pounds. With an expected element life of around 3,000 gallons, You can refill the Go Berkey system up to an incredible 12,000 times before needing to replace the element. The new Go Berkey kit is perfect for backpacking, hiking, emergency packs, bug-out bags, international travel, car emergency kits, or for your desk at home or at work. Get your Go Berkey kit today for only $139 by calling 800-724-2719. That's 800-724-2719. Go to republicbroadcasting.org. The online store, it's a featured product. Introducing IXL Anti-Friction Metal Conditioner. IXL works at the molecular level to reduce friction by penetrating into and bonding onto the microscopic openings of the walls of ferrous-based metals. The surfaces become smoother and denser, and this reduces the heat, friction, metal expansion, and wear caused by moving metal surfaces. The benefits are reduced maintenance activities and cost, increased fuel efficiency, and prolonged equipment life. It will not... Uh, uh,
6: Hello, uh, Stefan?
3: Yeah.
6: Um, Ernie first asked me if uh, you could look at the freedomphoenix.com's archive for a show to see the still voting graphic.
3: Uh, still voting. Okay. Uh, uh, Freedom's Phoenix.
6: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the it's the the archive for this show to see the still voting graphic.
3: Yeah. All right. And, I will have a look. For,
6: It'll say, uh, 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 I believe, declare your independence in the morning. I think yeah. it will say on the website. Okay, and then the second thing is that the owner of the network, John Statmiller, is uh, wondering if you could be on his show. Uh, well, he's asked if you could be on it today, and I told him I, I don't know if that was the case, but um, we could maybe schedule something out later.
3: Uh, when, his sh- when is his show today?
6: Uh, his show starts at 4 p.m. Central Time, which is in uh, exactly four hours.
3: Four hours. I don't think I can. Um, I'm babys. I'm. I'm, I'm parenting. I <laughs> shouldn't say babysitting. But uh, I would be happy to be on his show if uh, if he thinks I would be a useful guest.
6: Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Not a problem. Not a problem. We'll just go ahead and uh, get your contact information and uh, set something. It's up. yeah. It,
3: it's it's easy. It's just host at freedomainradio.com.
6: Host at freedom.
3: Rain Radio dot com. Uh, sorry, let me just do that again. It's free domain, F R E E D O M A I N. Okay. Radio.com, free domain radio.
6: Got it. All righty. Thanks, man. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. Policies
2: and the true relationship we all have with coercive governments. Learn the true condition of our economy, innovations and technological breakthroughs in energy, health, computer science, and space travel. Learn the truth well before it's admitted to in the lamestream media, the media that is so last century. Corporate media has evolved into nothing more than distributors of government propaganda, but we now have a fantastic alternative. Freedom's Phoenix.com provides constant news updates on the issues that affect our lives in the most important ways. Our liberty and our property are un- Under constant attack, and FreedomsPhoenix.com provides the understanding behind the propaganda while encouraging the participation of our readers. Join us at FreedomsPhoenix.com. That's Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. FreedomsPhoenix.com, where the revolution between the ears has already matured.
1: It's time to declare your independence with Ernest Hancock. To be a part of the show, call 1-800-313-9443. And now, live from the studios of Freedom's Phoenix, Ernest Hancock.
0: Welcome, 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 welcome back to Declare Your Independence. With me, Ernest
2: Hancock, it's really easy to do. Let me tell you what, you cannot declare your independence if you are dependent. is how you do it. it. It, It's really easy. Here you go. I declare my independence. See how easy that was? You didn't even need... A government form. We got Stephan Molyneux on from Toronto, and Stephan, you know, I, you know, I got kindred spirit here, man. I'm with you, brother. You know, I, I understand. But we are going to. I tell you, the three things that I looked at, and, and then I want to ask you what things that you look at when you want to get a kind of a positive feel, uh, get a get, get a positive vibe on what's going on, because I see as you do humanity marches on there is i the only reason i'm not living the jetson lifestyle right now and i get to go to space (laughs) is because of government we were the ones that went when uh it was the summer june of 2004 my senior editor and i we went out with these signs a bunch of friends about dozen of us we were the only signs when they launched spaceship one the only other sign I saw was they had, you know, selling binoculars or something. And we had all these signs, and one of them said, Spaceship One, Government Zero. And Bert Rutan ran over and grabbed that sign, and he goes, he goes, I've got to send a message to the media. And he runs over and he gives it to the astronaut, and he stands up holding that thing, and man, that went Planetary. That cultural understanding, that injection of this libertarian infection into the bone marrow of American politics, world politics, for which there is no cure, by the way, is what is necessary. And I'm like, where is the bone marrow? What is the core? And I'm like, you know, it's the next generation. It's these kids. And we saw this at uh, the Porcupine Festival. We've seen it during the revolution that they were just sitting there ready And had the infrastructure available on the Internet to communicate with each other and totally bypass this state thing. They're just like, you know what? Your borders don't mean anything to me. I got Google Translator. Heck, I can talk to people in real time from Japanese to English. I mean, you know, this is this is on Freedom's Phoenix right now, you go to the top right, it says translation. You just pick, you know, boom, a whole thing goes in Spanish. And we're adding all other language, Russian, Japanese, Chinese. You know, because we can. And the state is going to be able to stop that how? Well, I want to make this one statement. There are three things that I look on the weekend. You know, it's Saturday. I'm chilling out. I'm not doing a radio show. What am I going to fill? Freedoms Phoenix. So you go to freedomsphoenix.com, and you'll see a lot of science and technology up there. As much as we deal with political stuff and philosophy and news of the day and all kinds of goodies, three things I look at. One, energy. I want to go see what, what are we doing on the energy level here. You know, okay, got that communication and transportation. And the reason is, is the aspects of each one of those three things is what empowers an individual to get off the grid, to separate themselves from a dependency on a collective. They are able to provide their own energy, they can go where they want, when they want, and they can communicate with the planet just like you're doing. And when you have those three things, and then of course, you know, they help and make it cheaper to provide uh, shelter and food and materials and, and uh, you know, just live a, a quality lifestyle. But if I have those three things, i got a beat on them, I can see where the future is. Because I used to love reading science magazines and science fiction and stuff all the time, but then they got taken over by the man. You know, it's just propaganda stuff, but humanity marches on. The future is enormously bright and in the end, freedom always wins. It just gets really messy first.
3: (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. I think, I mean, I think you're right in in many ways. I think one thing that's important to remember is that humanity gets smarter every generation. Every generation is getting a couple of percentage points more intelligent than the previous, uh, previous generation. I think it's fair to say that it takes a fair amount of intelligence to grasp philosophical principles when they're not in the mainstream. Once they're in the mainstream, then like the first people who figured out that slavery was immoral, they had to be pretty smart. It doesn't take a very smart person now to know that slavery is immoral because it's just generally accepted and nobody makes really any counter arguments. So humanity, biologically, and it's partly to do with with diet and, and better medicine and uh, less trauma to, to children, but people are getting smarter every generation. And there is going to be a collision between the growing intelligence of human beings and the ridiculous historical nonsense of deploying an institution in the 21st century that was invented about five to 10,000 years ago. There is just going to be a collision between using the state to solve problems when the state was invented so long ago by people who had probably half the intelligence or less than we do. There's going to be a collision between this archaic, stupid institution. I mean, it's not just violence. I mean, of course, that's immoral, but it's stupid, which becomes progressively more embarrassing to a more intelligent species. People are going to get smarter. The state is going to be revealed as dumber and dumber and dumber. And that collision is going to result. People can't become more stupid, but we can at least uh, get get rid of this ridiculous institution they're uh, we don't you use... make us stupid they're going to try and make it, you know they try much they much try, much 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 try but they're still fighting biology dude or water i mean you know and I say, people, I, I say to people i i say to people yeah, I say to people who want government solutions, it's like, okay, so you like technology that was invented 10,000 years ago, so you better not go to a modern doctor and you better not use the internet. You, what you need to use is hieroglyphics uh, and what you need to use is witch doctors and so on because that's the technology you're talking about. When you're talking about using the government to solve problems, you're talking about five to 10,000-year-old technology. And if there's only one place that people use the government, which is in the most important social issues and, and conflict resolution and war and prisons and justice – you are using the most primitive and ridiculous technology to solve the most complex and advanced problems, which is entirely backwards. The only place that we should use the state is for weeding our lawns, because at least that's something that we can, we can achieve and understand.
2: Well, I, I, I think that uh, the big bad guys uh, see the same thing you and I do, and they're afraid. You know, they need to shut us up. In fact, it was an um, Eisenhower speech. Are you familiar with this speech in 61? Beware of military and industrial complex.
3: Things? I certainly am.
2: You know, there was a part in there that really uh, hit me as much or more than that. A lot of people didn't, you know, really focus on the other part that he was talking about the scientific community. You know, here, let me look this up. It says... uh, akin to and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly, steadily increasing shares conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor, tinkering in his shop has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the Free University, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research, partly because of the huge cost involved. A government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. For every old blackboard, there are now hundreds of new electronic computers. The prospect of of domination of the nation's scholars by Federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet in holding scientific research and discovery and respect as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. This is 1961. Everybody focused on the military-industrial complex part, and he was saying, hey, look, man, the federal government's going to take all of this evolution of the great and the increased intelligence of the mind of humanity, and they're going to put it in the service of the man. And I'm going, yep, that's exactly what they're trying to do, but with the Internet, It's kind of, I think it's an exponential loss of control of this and they are desperate. They will do. I used to say on this show a lot, I go, Hey man, St. Louis arch, golden gate bridge toast. If that's what they need to do to get us all around something. And then here comes the Gulf and you're like, Rahm Emanuel, man, we're not going to let a good crisis go to waste. So I know what's coming. This global warming thing's not working out for them. So what are they going to do? Of course, we've got to have cap and trade and a global tax because we got oil going up the Gulf stream, washing tar balls on the beach of France. I mean, and, you know, I'm going, I can see it coming, Stefan, and it's all exactly what you're talking about. They have to have a justification, not only for the little farms, they want a big farm.
3: Yeah, well look, it they have to constantly keep moving because the system itself is completely collapsing. I mean, I, I think we can all recognize that uh, the, the system itself is not going to last much longer at all. This, this shell game, this, this uh, moving around fiat money, this everybody lending to everyone else, this infinite debt, this bribery of the population, uh, this I- I increasing incarceration of the population in the United States, which is just terrifying. It's, the US is 5% of the world's population and over 25% of the world's prison population. I mean, it's astounding. And California is breaking apart. What was it? Illinois can't pay its bills right now. I mean, the the, the union, uh, which <laughs> never was a union at all, uh, but the union is completely collapsing. And there is a certain amount of panic. You know, the, the stuff that's coming up next year, uh, sorry, later this year and next year, economically speaking, is, is ridiculous, right? You may have the end of the Bush tax cuts. What's that going to do to job creation uh, in the economy? You have, uh, there's still the commercial real estate collapse, which has yet to hit the economy. There is all of the rollovers that are occurring from everybody's um, mortgages from 2006. We're going to get and hit at much got higher rate.
2: Next wave of real estate and residential hadn't even hit yet. Oh, exactly. more to talk about. We'll be right back here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, Stefan Molyneux from Toronto in just a little bit. Don't go away. <laughs> Oh, where's the love? It's right here on Declare Your Independence. Me, Ernest Hancock, Stephen Molyneux from Toronto. We have, uh, you're not going to have love without trust. You can't have trust without truth. I mean, it always comes down to this truth thing. Can I just know the truth? Well, here's a little bit more from Stephen Molyneux and tell you a little bit of truth. Pay attention.
3: Uh, Okay, go. Governments and empires were, in fact, a ruling class of slave hunters who understood that because human beings could produce more than they consumed, they were worth hunting, capturing, breaking in, and owning. The earliest Egyptian and Chinese empires were, in reality, human farms, where people were hunted, captured, domesticated, and owned like any other form of livestock. Due to technological and methodological improvements, the slaves produced enough excess that the labor involved in capturing and keeping them represented only a small subset of their total productivity. The ruling class, the farmers, kept a large portion of that excess while handing out gifts and payments to the brutalizing class, the police, slave hunters, and general sadists, and the propagandizing class, the priests, intellectuals, and artists.
2: You know, that's one thing I wanted to uh, bring up on you know that part the uh, the artists. Because I can see, we were talking about this week. Um, if you want to control something, if you've got something that's threatening you, like you've got musicians that are doing like that song, we came in with this black eyed piece. 2002, they did this. My daughter goes to one of their concerts. Oh, Dad, you got to hear this. Thing. You know, I'd heard it before, but I never really paid attention to the lyrics. And it's powerful. It's, it's it, this next generation understanding, man. There's something freaking wrong. We need to listen to more Stefan. So I'm going, you know, this right now, I'm, I I could see if you wanted to control your opposition, you fund it. You have, you know, endowment for the arts. You have licensing for television. You pay them for public service announcements. You pay them to put, you know, subliminal government messages in your sitcoms so they don't have to do public service announcements to get their federal licensing, blah, 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 blah. It's all social and economic controlling and engineering so that they can continue – doing what they do, which is being on uh, masses. And I can understand this, and it's people exactly like you that is the biggest threat to these guys, but they don't understand it. If you're not going out, I had uh, a couple of days ago I had uh, for the third, fourth time on the show, um, Heidi Byrick is a special uh, project director for the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it's, and we, we go at it. I mean, we have fun. She keeps coming back for more. You know, I mean, we, we have fun. I'm like, oh, you guys are killing me. You know, this is – you're just there to support the machine. You just want – you don't care. You're not allowed – you know, this is their new thing. Uh, there's racism that they're opposing, The Southern Poverty Law Center, for those that oppose the federal government. If you oppose the government, you're racist because we have a black president, okay? <laughs> so I'm going – Okay. Well, this is what you're doing is a cultural shift, a change, an awareness, a a lifeline thrown to the minds out there, yearning to be free. But in the end, there's going to be somebody to the whip saying, get back in line. And at what point do we use – I mean, because libertarians, as much as we are non-aggression, you know, the non-initiation of force, I mean, you saw at Porkfest, half the people had sidearms on I mean, at what mm-hmm. point do you resist?
3: Well, I, I, as I said at Porkfest, uh, armed resistance is suicide, and suicide is not a just sacrifice to the cause. Uh, I believe that everybody knows that the government is violent, which is why they invent all of these ridiculous terms to cover up the violence. So why, why, they, why do they say lobbying rather than bribery? Right? Why do they say special interest groups rather than the recipients of stolen money? Why do they say te- taxation rather than theft? Why do they avoid the exact same words that they would use in the private sector when describing the public sector? Why do they have something like the public sector as if it's just P and a little bit different from the private sector? Uh, they, they, everybody knows that there's this big well-armed elephant in the room, which is why they keep stepping around it with all of these euphemisms. So if you if you go and do violent things, what will happen is the government will stomp down on you very hard and perhaps end your life or put, certainly put you in jail. Oh, and no, all no, that's no. Going I'm
2: all about the love illusion. Now, we're coming up on a break here. I want to, This is where I want to. Next one, we have a big 18-minute thing. Man, we're going to let you go. But I want right. to preface this because... We're, we're looking at a non-initiation of force, and when is it that you would just – I mean, is it when they're kicking in your door, grabbing your kids to go fight in a far-off land in the sand of whatever? So, I mean, there has to be a line at which, you know, this right-to-life thing is, I reserve the right to stop you from trying to stop me from breathing. I mean, at what point is that? And, and we need to discuss this. I'm all about the love, man. I'm you go up against the man, that's what they want you to do. They want you to be violent. They want they need you to. Heck, they try and get you to. But I'm so I'm like, no, 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 no. But there's a line. Where is it? I don't know. We're we're gonna talk about it with Stefan Molyneux from Toronto when we come back here and declare your independence with me
4: or Ernest Hancock in just a little bit. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. One go.
0: Ah. One mission. Yeah,
2: one mission we have here on Declare Your Independence. With me, Ernest Hancock, how about some truth? Uh, get some justice in what used to be the American way in there, wherever the heck that was. You know, that's one thing from uh, someone that uh, gets a perspective of America from outside America. Um, When they say things, Stefan, like uh, the American way, what the heck does that mean to you anyway?
3: Well, you know, it's really changed uh, over the past um, 20 or 30 years. It's really changed from outside America. You know, one thing that the world truly misses, and I I mean this very sincerely, one thing the world truly misses is the vision of America, the shining city on the hill, the, the, the land of freedom, of opportunity. The, the the place where the poor, the tired, the hungry, the oppressed can come and build new lives in proximity with others. The cultural melting pot. Uh, people really miss that fantasy. The, 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 the Titanic of American idealism went down, I think, uh, Vietnam and, and sort of post-Vietnam in particular. But America had a fantasy. It had a guiding star called America, which is that this state of society, this idea of government, this can work. You have a piece of paper called the Constitution, you have the Bill of Rights, you have uh, legislative assemblies, you have the checks and balances, limitations of power, you have representation by and for the people, you have all of these slogans, and there was this belief, this fantasy, that America held aloft for many, many years and of course coming to the rescue of Europe twice in in two world wars didn't exactly hurt that and being the economic engine that drove the post-war recovery didn't hurt that either. And America – the sinking of America into semi-feudalistic imperialism has created a great gaping hole in the heart of the world where the fantasy that governments could work – used to be and I think the world is still reeling from that and it's a very emotional and very deep thing because the societies that we live in are very close to our hearts. Well, I, I think be, the world really optimism. misses America. I I'm
2: I'm want to provide some optimism with what you just said. It was the fact that they even had to sell it to us that way because our hmm. humanity insisted that they give us the sales pitch that was that. But in, even in your own stuff, I'm going to go continue to play. This is a good point to put this up. On your True News 13, if you go to Freedom – no, Free Domain Radio on YouTube, and the top one, it's called True News 13, Statism is Dead, Part 3. This is the matrix. You go to this one, and this is at about 440 into it. It addresses this very point that you're making, the fantasy, the promise – to the people, to get us to support, to give legitimacy to the state, our state here, and to provide this this uh, this veneer, this facade of what America was about to the rest of the world, to get us support for things like having the uh, the U.S. dollar be in reserve currency. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of the big bad guys that have been from the beginning were using us as slaves in the farm. I mean, you know, we we freed the slaves, but we just made everybody else a slave, an equal slave. I mean, it's just I, I can I can see the history in this. And you talk about this in the Industrial Revolution, how this was used. Let's go ahead and do just a minute or so of this.
3: The Industrial Revolution did not arise because the ruling class wanted to free their serfs, but rather because they realized how additional, quote, liberties could make their livestock astoundingly more productive. When cows are placed in very confining stalls, they beat their heads against the walls, resulting in injuries and infections. Thus, farmers now give them more room, not because they want to set their cows free, but rather because they want greater productivity and lower costs. The next stop after free range is not freedom.
2: It's Chicken McNuggets. That's what it is. <laughs> you, know, you have free-range chickens, and then you had the free-range chickens. A lot of people are missing the graphics on this. It's powerful, the way you put it together. And you have, you know, the next step of free-range, and it shows these chickens out in this open uh, you know, field and so on, is not freedom, and it has a McNuggets box. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, like, oh. I must say,
3: li- libertarian humor is hard to do, but I think I pulled it off on that one.
2: Oh, oh, the whole thing was just it, How long ago was it that you did that particular uh, uh, YouTube?
3: I think it was October of '08, of so it's, uh, it's certainly been a while.
2: So we're almost up to two years on this, and that was probably the first one that I've seen of yours. And then, of course, we started using a lot of your stuff on, and I'm sure we'll be using even more now, because that, now I know where the heck it was. You know, I can find it. And, it was, and when I saw you at the Porcupine Festival, I recognized you from your videos, and, and I go,
0: There he is!
2: Oh, my goodness. I, give me a freaking card, man. We'll get you on. and <laughs> Yeah, and,
3: and no, people, I'm, I'm happy to be here.
2: <laughs> and the people were so enthusiastic about your participation. Why do you think that is? What is it that you're saying that they're not getting other places?
3: Well, I'm giving them freedom that they can. I, mean, I shouldn't say that because you can't give someone freedom. I'm giving them arguments for freedom that they can use in their lives now. I mean, this is the great challenge of politics, which is that politics requires a huge amount of sacrifice in terms of donations and marching and banners and placards and conversations and so on. And you really are rolling the dice in the hopes that you'll get some incremental liberty in the next election, perhaps. And of course, for most of the libertarian candidates, we know it's not going to result in any kind of decisive election. And so people who want to be free, people who thirst and yearn and burn for freedom at every remotely healthy human being does, they're looking for something that lets them be free. And politics I've never been a huge fan of, I mean certainly not over the last sort of half decade or so. And so I try to put arguments together that help people to become free in their lives as, as they stand it. So things that they can actually achieve. So much of philosophy and so much of liberty philosophy is about a sacrifice for the greater good of freedom down the road and I think, I think that freedom is going to grow out of individual freedom. It's not going to grow out of political activism. It's not going to grow out of uh, podcasts or emails or newsletters. Not that those things are bad necessarily, but it's going to grow out of freedom. If you want to set people free, the thing you want to do is to be free yourself, to be the most free that you possibly can be. If you live in a world of fat people and you want people to lose weight, don't hector them to give up their carbs. What you have to do is lose weight yourself and show people, hey, I can do cartwheels, I can, I can see my toes, you know, and all that. And, and when people see you free, when they see me free, they see the joy and happiness and satisfaction that comes out of freedom, that is a far greater, quote, advertisement freedom than any amount of, of books and political exhortations it and data a and a
2: culture war. It is a change in us. You know, the one thing I did want to go... I made a note here so I wouldn't forget. We were talking about... Um, uh, self-defense. You know, I I, I don't want to go the rest of the show without getting your opinion on that. You're at a uh, pork fest, of course. They're expressing their freedom. They're wearing sidearms and so on. And that and 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 nobody felt threatened. Nobody, you no know, violent little kids running around or anything. It was just an expression of freedom. But at what point is there a point? I mean, you know, I you know even Gandhi would be like, uh, you know, I'm going to stop you from choking me to death. So I'm. Uh, what is your feeling on that? cultural awareness from here in the united states that you know oh, i got my guns okay but you know to what i mean at what point would they be useful i mean i'm not talking about replacing the state or going in now you got guys you know new guys with guns that they're in charge of the ring or the lever of power i get it that's not my point my point is is when am i morally justified to defend my defend myself with deadly force right? am i ever
3: Well, I mean, the moral justification is always there, in my opinion. I mean, just because some guy puts on a blue costume doesn't mean that he attains a different moral status from anyone else. So anybody who comes to pick up your taxes, you're morally justified. I mean, I hate to say it because it's volatile, but you can't fault the logic of it. Uh, Costumes don't change moral nature. So uh, uh, somebody who comes to collect your taxes is morally indistinguishable from a mugger, and you obviously have the right for self-defense against a mugger. That having been said... Uh, if there are 10,000 muggers, I'm giving them my wallet because I'm just not going to win. I mean, here's my, here's, you know, here's my wallet. I'm going to keep breathing if it's all right with you. So I think that we have a responsibility, those of us who have a reasonable ability to communicate about freedom and truth and virtue. We have a responsibility to keep breathing so that we can keep talking about freedom because no, if we end up you know, in a hole, the bad guys win. That having what, been said, if someone – I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, if if someone comes to take my daughter off to a war, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to use force. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna take to the hills. When I was uh, after high school, I was a prospector uh, panning for gold up north. I know how to live in the woods. I'm comfortable in that environment. Uh, I'm not going to let my daughter go to war. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, but I'm not going to get killed for that either.
2: You know, this is where um, I, I, I'm sure you get the same kind of questions and if you have a forum and blog and everybody's all they bring this up. They go, well, Ernie, when they come to take your guns, you're just going to turn them over like everybody else. I'm like, damn skippy I am. You know, for, of course, the ones that you know I got there or they can find or they know about or whatever. But, you know, I'm not going to fight them on their battlefield at their time of choosing and their – you know, I'm, I'm not stupid. I see a much more effective way of opposing the man – of opposing the master, of opposing the enslavers, by being creative in changing all of us. In Look in the mirror, change that. All this other stuff, just a side effect of it, this entire culture, the entire view that the next generation has of the enslavers is is altered by doing exactly what you're talking about. I mean, just as an example, we have in our backyard, I live in central Phoenix, I mean, you know, I've got houses all around me, okay? In my backyard, I have six chickens got chick 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 chickens i mean you know i'm trying to we're gardening we're doing square foot gardening we're starting to put gardens in the front yard we're doing you know we're trying to be an example so that one you know having the skills doesn't suck okay i'm just you know the knowledge certainly of what grows here i mean our season is totally different a lot of people, and uh, we're more worried about the summer than we are the winter so <laughs> i am i am just it's totally a a And outreach to try and free someone to to, to be with the positive waves. You know, I mean, there's the peace and love has enormous power. And the bad guys know that. They want you violent. They want you to be wearing a camo and going. In fact, that's the only guys they'll focus on on the television segment. You know, they, you know, where's the guy with the camo floppy hat? Oh yeah, he's he's the leader. You know, let's go get him out of ten thousand people that showed at some rally. So you know, I'm, I I understand this, and I'm wanting to know: Do you have a future? that you're planning on some way that you're going to communicate, even just keep doing what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, they're going to find you, man. They're flocking to you already. But, you know, this communication of exactly what you're advocating, I'm I'm of the opinion, just like with the radio show, I mean, things keep expanding. More affiliates keep coming on. But, but I always knew this. In 2003, I sold my restaurant and started doing radio. I'm going, you know, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that freedom is enormously popular, especially when you get more and more tyrannical. What do you see as your future? Is there going to be a bigger platform? Have you been contacted by networks? Is there someone that's going, step on, man, we're going to let you make us some money. You know what's going on? (laughs)
3: Well, I, uh, I would like to do more public speaking. It wasn't my particular first choice, but I think that I can do a fairly good job at it. Uh, I'm going to, um, uh, I, I'm particularly interested in, um, in talking to younger people. I mean, the majority of my listeners are sort of in their mid to late 20s or early 30s. Uh, so I'm going to go to Philadelphia later this year to talk to a bunch of student um, union representatives, student uh, groups uh, about uh, freedom and philosophy uh, so that uh, I'd like to do a tour uh, to talk about freedom and philosophy, particularly through the Northeastern United States. States. My daughter's been a bit young for that, but next year or certainly later this year, she might be able to. I have more public speaking engagements coming up. I'm a little bit cautious. Uh, I have been approached, but I'm a little bit cautious about getting more involved in the mainstream media because um, I I really like the freedom of no commercials at the moment. It allows me to continue on with my incredibly lengthy (laughs) monologues. And so I'm quite keen on that. And uh, so far, I mean, we've had about 20 million Downloads of of shows and videos It's it's to me You know would would 25 million Be a huge difference well it would help But it's already accelerating as it is So I'm very comfortable with the way that things are Right now I do have some plans to expand But I don't have any uh, plans to Go um, to go mainstream and I don't think there Would be much of a place for me Uh, around The violence thing I just wanted to mention this topic as Well that the state Is is an illusion the state is a False fantasy the state doesn't Exist they're just people with guns The problem with fantasies and illusions is you can't shoot them. You can only shoot people. You can't shoot bad ideas. You can't shoot immoral ideas. You can't shoot evil. You can only shoot people. And since what we're fighting is a fantasy, bullets are useless. The only thing that will win is words. words. And and willpower and the warmth and passion of of the way that we're communicating. That's the only way that you can take a stake through this vampire illusion is through words and arguments and examples, uh, yourself being the primary example, but you cannot win a war against an illusion with anything tangible.
2: No, I'm hip, brother. I'm right with you. You know, we do a thing. Since 2001, we have an event called the Freedom Summit, and it's here. It's the first weekend in December in 2010. We have uh, um, Lawrence Reed from FEE this year, Don Brudeau, uh Judge Jim Gray, the bunch of Charles Goy. I mean, a lot of people, we've had Dr. Paul spoken at three of them. I mean, we have, it's a really big, really big shoe. And uh, I'd like to invite you. We'll be sending you some goodies. And uh, it's the first week in December in Phoenix does not suck. And we'll <laughs> pay your way here and give you a place to stay and we'll hook you up. So if you're willing to even receive some information on that, I, I tell you what, we'll promote it like crazy. You're coming if you can come, man.
3: You send it right up. I would be – I'm very honored and flattered, and I appreciate the invitation. I will definitely look over it, and uh, there's certainly a tentative yes from my end, and I appreciate that invitation. Thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. It'll it'll be a good time. You know, here you get to see, you know, what we do here, freedoms – Phoenix uh, Workshop and all our studios, and, uh, and we've been doing this for 10 years, and it was, you know, like Lou Rockwell and Doug Casey and, and uh, uh, Walter Block and Justin Romano and Bumper Hornberger and Jim Bovard and, you know, Nathaniel Brandon, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Gar Goldsmith has been a speaker before, and the thing is is that we have such great people before they were popular, you know, Peter Schiff and Ron Paul and so I mean, before they were rock stars on cable television because we knew what was coming. We knew we're going. The, the philosophy of libertarianism is—it's—it's libertarianism is, it's just human nature. It's a science. I mean, it's like you know, it's math. I mean, you—you you cannot have what's going on now sustained for any uh, uh, amount of time without just. The, the the slaves rising up, rising up against the man, and, and and they don't need to rise up with violence. In fact, that's counterproductive. They just need to rise up and stand up on their own. Because uh, uh, anybody that's standing up, you notice them, because everybody else is on their knees.
0: I've got-
2: Oh, yeah, we got to break free here and Declare Your Independence with so me, Ernest yeah, Hancock, no. and Stefan Molyneux from Toronto. <laughs> Stefan, it's been great having you on. I, I hope uh, in, in the future we can have you on again, and I, I am going to be sending you some information. Hopefully we can get you out here to Arizona A, and I'm telling you, it's, it, it's really nice here in December. Uh, now, not so good. But, you know, then it'll be great. And I'm, I'm really hoping that you'll um, make that opportunity. But uh, before we go in the last few minutes here, how uh, please communicate with the audience how best to uh, get access to all your stuff and uh, be entertained and informed by what you have to offer.
3: Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And it's been a real pleasure. Uh, uh, unfortunately, my three triple espressos didn't kick in until the second hour, so I couldn't quite keep up with your amazing level of energy. But uh, I think now I'm going to be awake for three days. So I think it balances out. Uh, my website is a free domain radio, F-R-E-E-D-O-M-A-I-N, radio.com. There are free podcasts. There are free books. Uh, there are free videos. You can go to youtube.com forward slash free domain radio. Uh, to check out uh, the videos. I highly recommend uh, the books. Uh, I just uh, posted the video of my speech at, at uh, porkfest, and there 'll be a higher quality version coming soon. I do a, a skype call in show every Sunday afternoon four p m Eastern Standard Time. You can just go to the website and drop into the chat room to listen in or call in and uh, that 's about it I guess I'll, uh, keep, uh, we, we're gonna, i 'll keep we' think we 're going to keep pumping out the stuff that I was doing at porkfest I, I think that the, um, the rant fest was uh, the soapbox idol was uh, taped, which will be kind of mind blowing and actually I think we 'll have to be pixelated. <laughs> At a particularly memorable point, uh, not yeah, involving me. I,
2: yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, one thing, uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, John Bush, he, man, he went up there and he just dumped all over Rand Paul for what he perceived to be compromises on a lot of stuff. And the crowd loved it. And, I mean, it was, I, you know, this political thing, I, I'm not in it as much as you would think. You know, I mean, if you look at the graphic I, this, for the this archive of this show, where I'm for Secretary of State in 06. I'm, you know, my whole thing was, you're still voting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, the V for in the voting was the V for vendetta. I'm like, still voting. I mean, come on, you guys, you haven't got it yet. So this has been, we're we're on the same path here. The thing is, is I use the political process as a soapbox to be able to direct a lot of people to places like. Free domain radio. So this is I. Everybody's going. They get into the positions like you, especially a lot of the young people. I mean, you're probably more savvy than a lot of the young. They'll come up and they'll say, "Where are all the people? We get it." And we they produce movies and they do documentaries and they're on the show and they're saying, "Ernie, when are the people gonna rise up?" I go, "Are you kidding me? Twenty years ago, I was waiting for you." You know, I, my, <laughs> right. my, op, my optimism is soaring the fact that you even understand this, that you're there. I mean, they don't they don't see it because they don't see the forest for the tree in their face. You know, so I am much more optimistic than I think a lot of people are. And I, I, I get the feeling that you are, too.
3: Yeah, look, people people who are newer to this movement and you know, I I, I certainly am on the verge of qualifying for an old fart medal, but the people who are new newer to the movement, they don't understand when you look up at the night of the freedom movement now, they don't understand how few stars in the sky there used to be. I mean now there are constellations, there are galaxies, there is light enough to brighten the world that is coming out of these stars, and that is an unusual and new thing, and people should take great heart out of great comfort out of that.
2: And we had these stars. Fortunately, have been nurtured by you know a, a base philosophy of just you know simple things like I own myself. Because if I don't, then who does? And these people, like you know LewRockwell.com, you know very popular site. You know Future Freedom Foundation, uh, advocates for self-government. A lot of these organizations, they're really starting to to the philosophy is starting to shift more to what you're talking about. You know this political thing isn't working. You know, we're going to go vote ourselves free. If you think you can vote yourself free, you have not been paying attention. It's a <laughs> cultural thing. Stefan, thanks for coming on, man. We're going to be friends. I want to have you on in the future if you'll have me. We'll see you Absolutely.
3: Tomorrow. Thanks for the invite, man. Which Take care. recent
2: international flight from the dollar, it's confusing.